Shallowy driving it toward the back post for Zussi, who puts it back across, and Shelton slots it home! Zussi can have a hit from here, he does, and Graham Zussi re-elect! Graham Zussi! Shallowy knocks it in! The Hungarian assassin has given Sporting KC the lead! It's Russell! This is the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Presented by Michelob Ultra. Enjoy a Michelob Ultra today. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And by Casey's own CBD American Shaman. Score yourself free samples of great all-natural CBD products at a CBD American Shaman near you. CBD American Shaman. Everything is better with the feather. Now your host, Nate Bucati. Hello and welcome to the final edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show for 2022 on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, and of course, wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you listening, downloading, subscribing, and liking, and we are presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Nate Bucati along with Allie Trost-Martin. Allie, how are you? I'm well, Nate. Coming off of a really fun Sporting KC win over Seattle Sounders, you know, already out of the playoffs, but I think a little bit of satisfaction for the fans, for the players uh, to knock out the the Sounders officially from the 2022 playoffs. Yeah, no doubt about that. And we've got Connell McCourt here as well. Connell, what's up? How are you? I'm fantastic, mate. Obviously, yes, building off the Seattle drubbing at the weekend, taking them out of the playoffs. Always a good time. So let's go towards next year. Hopefully we're back up towards the top of the West, where I suspect they'll be as well. Yep. Coming up on the show, we've got uh, Peter Vermees joining us. We, uh, I don't know if we've had Peter on the show all season long. If we did, we it was not. at the very – we haven't all year. Well, okay, good. I think at preseason we, yeah. we did an interview with him. But That's right. It was a long time ago. Yeah, that was down in Tempe, Arizona. So uh, we started the season with Peter. We'll end the, the season with Peter, and I think that's the conversation you'll want to make sure you tune into because we'll be going over a little bit of a post-mortem on this season – and then also looking into what the priorities will be and what the mindset is for this team as they build off of this great finish to 2022. But in the end, a season that ends up without a playoff appearance for SKC. So work to do this coming off season as well. But guys, before we get to, to that conversation with Peter, let's talk about that game a little bit against Seattle. You mentioned it, Allie. Everybody said on the record, except for Daniel Shallowy, that they weren't talking about knocking Seattle out of the playoffs. But you know, it had to feel good for Sporting to do that. More importantly, to extend their home winning streak to six games in a row. What stood out to you about the performance? Sporting get a 1-0 win over Seattle. So something that was coming to mind as the game progressed and it, and it looked like it was going to finish 1-0 was earlier in the season when Peter had that semi-controversial comment where he said, one goal should be enough. You should be mm-hmm. able to win by a goal. You should mm-hmm. be able to hold a 1-0 scoreline. And I kept thinking about that as the game progressed and you, and you saw the defense step up and make some big-time clearances, some really brave moments from Ben Sweat, Nicholas Isimat-Marine, uh, Andreu Fontas, Graham Zussi, then Caden Pierre. The defensive commitment, I think, is what stood out to me in this game. This Seattle Sounders team, despite missing some key players, has one of the most dangerous attacks in Major League Soccer. This is a team that needed a win to keep their playoff hopes alive. This is a team that in the second half threw the entire kitchen sink in trying to find a goal. And yet Sporting Kansas City able to to hold strong and finish out that game 1-0. And I think seeing this team earn that scoreline against a team like Seattle and and then thinking back to Peter's comments earlier in the season about that, just kind of, I, I think, for me, it was like a full circle type moment and it has shown how far this sporting team has come. And it absolutely bears out in the stats as well. It shows Seattle only had one shot in target. I mean, sporting done really, really well, closing them down. But in the first half especially, I thought sporting were relentless going forward. I thought they, every chance they took, they were getting at Seattle, making it difficult for them. I mean, if it wasn't for Fry, you're probably talking 3 or 4-0. Like, yeah. it's a, a really good chances he's making really good saves from. So... I don't know if Seattle, look, it's coming to the end of the year. Everyone's a bit beat up, a bit banged up, and they're, they're not performing maybe at their optimum at 100%, but Sporting really took it to Seattle from the very start, and Seattle knew they were under under pressure and in for a, a big game from maybe from the first 15, 20 minutes of that game. You know, when you talk about that defensive performance, Allie, this is something that we're going to talk with Peter about. I'm excited to ask him about. 
I think evaluating this team going into the offseason has become a lot trickier because of the performances over the last two months. On the one hand, you shouldn't react to a good month of form or a good or a bad month of form too much because, you know, almost like anybody can have a good month. Um, can you have a whole season where you're good? But there obviously are some specific reasons that the team's gotten better. We, we know the two names that are on top of the list in Tommy and Agata. But like the defense, for example, for much of the year, the defense looked like a major problem. I think if you had asked a lot of people, okay, what's the biggest priority in the offseason? Defense might have been at the top of the list. How much does that change based on the way the team's played over the last two months? You know, and I don't Four know. Four clean the sheets in their last six games. I mean, right. So. Does that mean the defense doesn't need to be as dressed as much as we thought it did, or or no? I mean, I well, think that's a that's a complicated question to answer. For well, sure. The strange thing is, at the start of the season is probably when we were asking questions. That's when Courtney Ford kind of came to the fore, and he was mm-hmm. he was the guy that it seemed like Sporting were kind of hanging their hat on. He's been missing for the last couple of months now and it looks like the defense have got stronger and stronger as the weeks have gone on if he is to stay next year that'll, that'll be like a whole new sign it'll be like a brand new sign in its center back so it's going to be there's going to be competition for places and even when players are coming out you've seen Robert Volader and stuff players that maybe uh, it, it took them a bit to get used to playing with sporting but Robert Volader played last week and he looked like he had been playing for sporting for a few years kind of new where to go, where to bring the ball, when to hold it, when to release it. Whereas we didn't really see that at the start of the year. As it's went on, the players have seemed to have just got more familiar with each other and are feel safer around each other to play certain balls and to know that they're going to be covered if they're going forward. I think something that um, has has stood out to me since the additions of, of Eric, Tommy, and Willie Agata and how that's really elevated the entire team is just how important a strong offense is for setting up the defense within the way that sporting like to play because Willie Agata really is that the tip of the spear when it comes to the where the defensive efforts start with this team and I mean there's that saying like you know a good offense is your best defense or, or whatever and I, I think that that's been a little bit true uh, for sporting Kansas City and and, and it's interesting too because you know another area that they really struggled defensively and where they conceded a lot of goals were you know, headers off of crosses, some set piece type situations. And that's an area where, you know, Peters said a number of times now, like he feels that those set plays are, are the easiest to defend because you have time to get set. And you, um, if you are competitive, you have a good mentality in those moments and your assignment sound, you should be able to, to clear those. And so I think, you know, that part of, of the, the team's defensive approach got better as the season went on. Um, but I also think, you know, it also has a lot to do with the confidence of the team. I think the way that this team was scoring goals, um, they were able to stay in games. They had options around goal. They were creating quality chances. They were finding the back of the net. That confidence up top trickled all the way down uh, to the rest of the team. And, and I think it, it goes to show just how important confidence is for a group. And this was a team that was severely lacking confidence uh, for, for much of the season. And it seemed like... At the start of the season, or a bit halfway through the season maybe, it seemed like we couldn't score goals. And that may be because the defence were thinking, if we concede one here, we're in serious trouble. So the fact that now we have goal players that can score goals, and we've always had players that can score goals, but it, it was we weren't really taking advantage of that. Now you've got Agata, you've got Tommy adding to that as well. You can see the defence, they're a bit more comfortable with taking more risks and going a bit f- further forward and maybe getting some of those balls in that weren't coming in at the start of the yeah. season. There's a difference when you're playing scared. And, and I think you know Peter even mentioned at one point this year just how much pressure the defence was playing with, and it was more out of fear of conceding because the team wasn't scoring. Couldn't score. And so okay. when you go into a game knowing that you cannot give up a single goal, um, you know, while clean sheets are, are something that all teams strive to, to play for, no matter what your your form is going forward, I think that was, was something that just really weighed heavy on the entire team. And, and again, just the mentality, the confidence of the group, it, it's, it's like watching a different team. Watching Remy Voltaire play in this game to me was uh, was a thing to behold as well. And talking about growing in confidence, the more he's played the number six this year, the more comfortable he's looked, the more confident he has looked. And, you know, to me, that is one of those positions on the field that is just vitally important. It's important for every team, but particularly with the 4-3-3 system that Sporting Kansas City play, when you want to play on the front foot, and you want to keep the other team pinned in, you've got to have an active 
number six that's able to snuff out those counterattack opportunities before they happen. I don't know how many times he intercepted a pass in the attacking half after Sporting had lost the ball and Seattle looking to play out of the back, and he just pounces on a pass and intercepts it and keeps the other team pinned in. That's only one of the jobs of the six. He He's doing a better job at all of it. It was just really fun to watch him. He's grown so much in that position, I feel like, over the course of the season. Absolutely, and he's probably, I don't know where his preferred position is. It seemed like earlier in the year, Peter was adamant that he wanted to play him further forward, but he's came back into that number six, and he's almost a victim of his own success because he has been tremendous at it, and we've seen a couple of people play the six this year, and none of them have compared, really, to Remy. Just in that football IQ, people kind of talk about knowing where to be, breaking up play and immediately starting attacks again, something that we weren't doing a lot of in the at the start of the season. He's come in and he's, he's took to it like a duck to water. So it'll be, as as you say, will they be looking for another six, maybe to try and strengthen going forward? But you'd like to think Rami would probably be the first person on the team sheet. Well, and, and, and is it Remy's a guy now that they know can play all those positions? You bring in a six and then he's the Swiss Army knife that yeah, can play everywhere. Player. Is it is it or you bring in a Swiss Army knife and Remy is your six and you bring in some more depth in the midfield that can play multiple positions? I do think it's given sporting options at least. I know Peter has talked in the past about how the roster is always a living, breathing document that that is changing at all times depending on what puzzle pieces fit. I think they've got some really interesting decisions to make this offseason, and some of those decisions might depend on who's available, right? Like maybe there, if there's this classic number six that plays it exactly the way that Peter Ramiz wants to play it that you bring in, then all of a sudden you get to use Remy Voltaire maybe as he was more intentional, you know, initially intended. Or if they've got a better chance at signing a guy that was like Remy that maybe can play the eight but can also play the six, you bring that person in and you feel better about the fact that, hey, we know Remy can play for a long period of time as the number six and do really well. Maybe it gives you a little more flexibility in terms of what types of players you're targeting to come in. And uh, one of the things we're going to talk about with Peter as well, I think is going to be really interesting. The World Cup, I think, is going to make this transfer. You know, typically the rest of the world, I feel like it's, the summer transfer window that's the big deal, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you're in Europe, you're bringing guys in for the start of the season. Peter Vermees has always liked to bring in guys in the winter because he wants guys to come in with a chance to have a preseason camp. Obviously this year, they they had two wildly successful midsummer signings. But now, what is the transfer window globally going to look like on the heels of a World Cup? I think that's going to be fascinating to see what wh- how that all affects the marketplace for a team like Sporting Kansas City. And also think, I mean, you never like to look at this side of it, but players get injured at the World Cup too. You know, there's some players that are going out that maybe have a fantastic, wonderful World Cup, but then pick up knocks, and, and then next thing you're straight back into action across mm-hmm. across the water anyway. Obviously, we won't be starting until late February, but how does that, I mean, season-ending injuries, that, that type of thing happen, or players just... Well, I didn't know he was that good, and he's playing at this elite level. Next thing you know, you're seeing players in a different light. So will it inflate the prices of certain players? I'm sure it will, but it'll also refocus some managers, I'm sure, when they're seeing players that maybe they didn't think they were that type of player and or could play at that level. Next thing you know, they'll want to bring them in or trying to replace players that have been injured. Yeah, it's it's all going to be very fascinating to see what happens this offseason. We'll have a conversation with Peter Vermees coming up, and and see what what he thinks about all of it and what his mindset will be as he is not just the manager, but also the sporting director for Sporting KC. And I think a very, very interesting offseason coming up for sporting. But before that, also, one last game. Decision Day is coming up, and there is some playoff seating on the line. FC Dallas... Uh, there's a, there's a there's a range in which they could finish this season that could depend that could that could affect whether or not they get a home playoff game, and we'll talk about that game as well coming up in a little bit. But up next, our conversation with Peter Vermees on the Sporting Kansas City Show, presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Sporting KC fans take pride in supporting the team both home and away. When flying to away matches to cheer on the team, or anywhere for that matter, check out the Kansas City International Airport's new terminal progress at buildkci.com. 
You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we are back on the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. And, of course, wherever you get your podcasts, we appreciate you downloading, liking, subscribing, and telling all your friends about what a great show it's been all year. This is the final show of the 2022 season as Decision Day is coming up on Sunday. Sporting Kansas City will close out the season at FC Dallas. And so we thought perfect time to have our interview with head coach Peter Vermees as we kind of look back on the season that was and look ahead to what's to come. Peter, thanks so much for the time. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. and My pleasure. And so... Look, we've uh, we've had some conversations with you over the past few weeks as the season has has uh, has kind of you know wound down here. Uh, but I guess that's not really the right term, winding down, because you guys have been ramping up as uh, as the years come to a close. You get another win this past weekend. You're the hottest team in the Western Conference easily. Uh, I'm just kind of curious, just an overall thought on the way your team's playing right now, and uh, and how you feel about where your team is as you go into the last game of the season. It's definitely bittersweet. Um, wish we had a few more games uh, at the end here because I really think we could have uh, made a run to uh, get in the playoffs and obviously make a really uh, a real hard charge at, at some teams. But, um, you know, we missed some opportunities during the course of the season. Obviously, everybody's it's well documented, different things that occurred. Um, but uh, proud of the fact that the guys found found their form, uh, found their confidence, um, have have continuously uh, throughout the season um, given a, a great effort, um, even though there's been some lapses in concentration in certain games here or there. Um, many a times it was for small amount of minutes. Uh, there was one game where it was a whole half um, a while back, but outside of that, I think we've we've you know basically suffered. Um, some moments of, of a lapse in concentration and the other teams took advantage of it. And that's the game sometimes. That's how the game can treat you. And um, obviously it's a valuable lesson for us to have learned. Um, at the same time, I'm, I'm just proud of the fact that the guys found their form and, and, and that they've, they've realized a couple things. One is uh, get results with the way that we play and that they should, um, you know, always – be confident in the fact that they're a good group um, and they take responsibility in regards to how they should play um, the game and also how they should do that in front of our fans um, whenever they step inside the white lines. Uh, That's been a good part of the year. Peter, how would you describe the mood of the team right now? Because just in in watching this group, whether it's on the field in training or, or in these recent games, you know, even after being eliminated from the playoffs, like there seems to be this this freedom that the group is playing with and, and so much positivity around how this team uh, came, came together at the very end uh, compared to where they were in the beginning of the season. Just how would you put words to, to what you're seeing out, out of the guys from a mentality standpoint and just from a general mood when they're out at the training facility and stuff? Well, I, I think their, their approach is – is very professional and also, um, like I said, I think the, the confidence has come back into the team. I would also say that they're they're disappointed uh, because they know that they are playing well, and I think uh, they do the same as the staff does. You think about points lost, in, you know, in and amongst the games of the season, and you say to yourself, you know, man, if we only would have done this, we would have done that, and that's why every game is so important. Um, to the overall, uh, you know, finish. And so I think, I think there's definitely a high level of disappointment, but I also think that there's been a, a high level of responsibility to know that you, just because you're out, um, it, it doesn't mean that you lower your, your standards or your expectations and um, how you approach things. And I think from that point of view, it's been very good. Coach, I was thinking about uh, some of the characters in the team. Um, one of the players, I think, has had a... I mean, a really good final third of the season maybe would be Ben Sweat. Um, he's kind of had a bit of a purple patch uh, as of late. And I was just wondering, with the season, as you said, it's been well documented. He got off to a bit of, bit of a rocky start. and But as the seasons went on, 
you know, he's been brave, you know, trying to take players on, always trying to advance us forward. How, uh, how important is that, especially in this type of a season, to have those type of characters in the locker room, especially for the young players coming through? Well, I think there has to be a little bit of context of, of, of how the season has went for Ben. you got to remember that in coming to us, he, he's come from Austin where he had suffered a, mm-hmm. a uh, ACL injury um, right in preseason, basically, and he spent the whole year trying to return. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's the year after, and a lot of guys that have, you know, still a, ACL is still a major surgery to a player. You're, you're, you're a year out of playing and now you got to find your form again. And I think the, the first, you know, third half of the season, it was about him trying to get into a rhythm, you know, us trying to be smart with him and not put too much on him. Um, but I would say what has happened is, is that it's probably a couple things. It's never one. It's usually a few things. And I'd say first, I think he's gotten more comfortable physically for sure. Um, I think the rhythm of training every week uh, has been important for him as well. Um, and, th- and then I would also say is that there's a, you know, there's a comfortability of coming into a new team and understanding what your role and your responsibility is in that. Um, he's gotten you know, more uh, familiar and, and, and accustomed to doing that. Uh, and, and then the final piece is, is that when you come into a team, yeah, you know, you, you, left back is a left back and there are certain requirements that go with it. But I also think there's certain things that maybe I have uh, an expectation on. And sometimes it takes a player a little bit of time to, to um, feel comfortable doing that as well. But I, I think what it's probably been the thing that has led him um, in an upward direction is the fact that, you know, he has experience and it's one of the reasons why we brought him here is we we've always, valued him as a, a a steady player in that position over the years in this league and so um he's been able to uh, come back to form in that regard which has been really good we're visiting with peter vermees and uh, you know this part of the question i guess is directed at the sporting director peter vermees uh not just the manager because it, it is interesting to me peter that w- when we talk about the the storyline of this season uh the season's headed in one direction for much of the year and I would imagine as a as sporting director, you're looking at it and evaluating, okay, what, what are the areas we need to address going into next season? What are, the, what are the problems that we have that we need to change? And then all of a sudden, the last, and obviously you made some of those changes during the season, bringing in Willie Agata and Eric Tommy, not just for this year, but w- with an eye to the future. But then the team looks so different. Um, from the start of the month of August through the rest of the year, we've all just, we've covered that with you. As a sporting director, how do you, I guess, like weigh what you saw early in the year versus what you see now? And how much does maybe your picture of what you need to go address this coming offseason, how much does that picture change based on what you saw the last couple of months? I think you have to be very careful um, and cautious. Uh, I think you can take the first half of the season and have a really, really negative opinion on either some individuals or just the team itself and then vice versa you could have this incredibly positive outlook and now all of a sudden you think completely differently about the team i I think the more important aspect is to think how you want the team to be next season and then you have to start putting in the pieces to kind of create that that puzzle um and so it's it's not you know, it's not getting too low or it's not getting too high. It's, it's actually evaluating it based on how you see the team in your mind's eye moving into the next year. Um, there's no doubt that both Willie Agata and Eric Tommy have, have made a huge impact into the team. Um, I would also say that there are certain aspects of the group that have improved based on the fact that a lot of guys were injured um, early on in the year. And it, and it took, and, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, having a knock and you're out for one game. I'm talking about from being out for multiple games. Um, I, I say this about Johnny Russell. There was a time when we had a lot of guys out, and I know that he was struggling with a bunch of different injuries, but he kept showing up to play, you know, on the weekend. Um, but he's not 100%. And that also takes a toll on a player. And so it, it, took, a, it took a while for the team to get, individually fit and also as a team fit 
to play the way that we wanted to play because of you know so so many guys missing so much time, uh, and that also helped the group as well. But every year is always going to be uh, different. Um, even if you brought the exact same group back, it would always be different. Yeah, I've, I've been in that position before in thirteen when we are uh, in thirteen when we won, and, and then in fourteen we basically brought back the exact same group, and that wasn't because we were lazy or we thought that it was a good group to come back that next season with. And uh, but like anything, you you have to make you make the teams different. Okay, it, it's it's going to be different. Different things are going to happen. Um, you know, players move on. Just, just all different types of things happen, and so it's really about how do you fit what you currently have together with what you see and how you see the team in the next season. And coach, I know a big part of that too is also how the league changes. And we've talked with you throughout the years on the different uh, evolutions of Major League Soccer. What's your your current assessment of of where the league is at and and where you see it going, not just next year, but maybe even in the next five years. Well, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I think there, it, it continues to uh, um, add high quality players um, in all positions on the field. I think that there is um, there's a timing aspect as well within teams, whether it's DP slots, um, TAM players, what have you. Uh, there's uh, there's more players wanting to come to the league. Um, sometimes that's still uh, very focused on the east and west coast where they want to go, um, and it's it it also is that I think from from our point of view and building a roster, you have to what may have worked for you in the last couple of years in in countries that you've gone to. Um, those areas might be saturated now with other MLS teams because our league is so big. You know, it's going to be twenty nine teams on um, the start of next year, so um, you have to be flexible in the places that you want to start looking for players. Uh, and I still think that for us, it's it's very um, specific to the way that we want to play and how we see the profile and the player responsibilities, um, specifically the positions that we, we look for. Um, and then, you know, trying to always be financially responsible. Those things are still a major part of the salary cap world that we live in. Um, and, and, and then the final piece is, is that the, there's an acclimation period for players and, and being able to you know, give them that time period to get um, adapted and adjusted. I think um, Eric and, and, and uh, Willie both did it in a very, very short period of time. And obviously their impact has, has been you know, well-documented and, and, and you can see it in the results. Um, but I also think there's, there's a few things that came together with that, as I as I mentioned previously. So, um, the league is definitely moving. It's it's fast paced um, in its rule changes as well at times. Um, but at the same time, I think again you have to assess your club and and how you're moving forward and and what you actually have available to you, how they're going to help you impact the next year in a positive way. Coach, you uh, you sealed the fate of another Western Conference rival uh, at the weekend in Seattle with that one nil victory. Um, I'm just curious to obviously I can't ask you to speak for Brian Schmetzer, but his kind of mindset with obviously already having the Champions League in the bag from earlier on in the year, but also failing at the last hurdle to make the playoffs at the end of the year. How do you think, or how would you assess uh, this season going into next season, uh, where where his team would be at? Well, obviously with I mean, getting a title with the Champions League, but then failing to make the playoffs? Look, it's really hard for me to speak for him. The only thing I can say is I can speak to this. Um, there's been, obviously, there's been times where we've won the U.S. Open Cup, and then, you know, we get knocked out in, you know, might might be the final in, in, in uh, the Western Conference final at home. And, and, you know, that's always really, really bittersweet because you think you have so much more in you that you can go on to win it. So, um Obviously, it's different. You win something and you don't make the playoffs. That's even more difficult, I think. Um, at the end, I know, again, speaking for myself, not for them um, and not for him by any means, but I, I, I think for us it's, it's, it's a disappointing season um, not making the playoffs. Uh, and so it's the one thing I've always said is that I, uh, when I took on this job is that my objective always was to be – 
competitive to win things during the course of the year. Um, I think we've, we fell short of that. Um, we fell short of the opportunity to, to win at the end of the, you know, to try to go after the MLS Cup because we didn't make the playoffs and I also thought we had a really good run in the U.S. Open Cup when we were in a good position and, and, and we lost out on that opportunity. Um, and so, I, I, again, extremely disappointed on our side and that's how I would be looking at it. We're visiting with Peter Vermees. Peter, to, to build off of uh, Ali's question about, you know, this offseason, um, I, you know, I think that it's interesting the World Cup coming in November this time around because I, I think one of the things I always think is interesting is when you watch the World Cup, there's a couple of guys that, that have these, these incredible performances in the World Cup, and then some club goes out and reacts to that and throws a, a boatload of cash at them, and then you wonder, like, well, that guy does he does he fit with that club the way that he does with his country? And um, I, I wonder what you think the transfer market looks like with a winter World Cup. You know, during the you know right before the transfer window, you've always struck me as a guy that's not going to get swept away in the emotions of what you see um, in, in any short-term competition. How will you be watching this World Cup? Um, I think. You kind of already stated it. I, I, when a pl- when a player is performing in the World Cup and he's performing at a high level, and then he gets purchased, a, a lot of times you're now paying an inflated cost based on his performance at the World Cup. That doesn't necessarily mean that's going to translate into how he's going to play for your club. And so, the way that I, I look at it, and I've always looked at it, is, is, is that we should already know before you go into the World Cup which are the players that we're looking at. And, and the World Cup is not going to make a difference to that. Um, I, I remember when we started uh, negotiations, or I shouldn't say negotiations, where we knew we were very interested in Alan Polito. And... Uh, and then we made kind of this, you know, overture to the club that we were interested in him, and he kept scoring goal after goal after goal after goal. I mean, week in and week out, <laughs> he was, you know, he was the leading goal scorer that year. And it wasn't as if we needed for him to play another, you know, five to ten games to score more goals to decide that we were interested in him. We already knew that, but obviously, those five to ten games where he kept scoring, it helped their club get some more money on the transfer um but it didn't take us you know again it didn't take us those five or ten games to make that decision we already knew and 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 so my point is is that you would be at least from our perspective you're you've identified and you're interested in the player prior to that big event because you already think that they can play and play in your team and 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 help you be successful you don't need that next event usually all it does is it just raises the stakes for that for that purchase Coach, with the uh, with the World Cup comes a longer off season, which compared to last year, just a very different um, situation here. Given that last year was, I think, the shortest off season, and now this is perhaps the longest, if not one of them. Um, what does that allow you to do? How do you approach um, these next few months ahead, and uh, and what that means for Sporting Kansas City? Well, the first is obviously the roster. Um, we have some, you know, movement. It's going to happen on our team no matter what. So we're going to have to deal with that. The acquisition of some players um, is going to be important. Uh, and then also, the, I think what's going to be also really, really important is the off-season program for the players and, and their commitment to that. Um, to your point, the fact that they're going to be off for as long as they are, um, a lot of foreign players really don't get a lot of time off in between seasons. And so for them... It's very, it's very difficult to be the ones to manage, uh, you know, sort of their off-season training program because they're not used to doing that. But what I would say on a worldwide basis, even in America now, it's, it's, it's become part of that. Um, players don't train on their own like players in my day had to in between seasons um, because today, you know, you, you have everything laid out for you. Um, so they're more uh, regimented um, in that they need a they need a, a program. Uh, a lot of times they get 
trainers to help them in the off season. So you have all that happening as well, but this is going to be a really important season because with the time off, you got to come back with a really, really solid foundation because there's going to be a lot of games next year and the schedule is going to be congested just based on what has transpired. The good thing is that we're able to start earlier in preseason, which can help uh, with building a little bit of that foundation as well. Any uh, accountability like FaceTimes or text threads with uh, Joey Hardy and Peter Vermees with the guys? Well, yeah, for sure. There's going to be a lot of that. I mean, but, you know, I've always always been a big believer that you have, you know, if you're, you can't babysit the players on the team 24 seven, you just can't do it. And, and I think that's where the responsibility comes in as being a professional. Um, we'll for sure have a program and all those other things and there'll be checkpoints along the way. But, you know, like anything, if, 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 if you're just doing the status quo, I don't think you find success. You always have to outwork your opponent. You have to outwork other players in your position on your team because that's what uh, breeds success within the group. And so that's, that's why I say it's going to be really important. The guys have to have the, the uh, internal drive to make sure that they come back in a way that um, puts them individually in a great place. And if that is the case, then they've already done and already achieved a big responsibility for the team. And that will lead me to my last question for you, Peter. And we, we thank you so much for the uh, time here as we, we wrap up this 2022 season. You talk about professionalism and all that. You, you had a young group of players, uh, John Polskamp, Caden Pierre, Cam Duke, Felipe Hernandez, who all set new career highs in terms of the, the, the amount of playing time they got at the MLS level this year. What type of growth did you see from that group of young players? And I guess how important is this offseason for those guys to build upon that as they go into next year? You know, Nate, it's, uh, it's actually a really great question. And, and I say that because um, what a lot of players, and especially young players, it, it's a lot of times it's hard for them to – to have this perspective, and it's it's something that I try to advise them on, um, you know, all the time, right? and I, I really mean that all the time. And I say all the time because, you know, my best example would be is, uh, and, and I'll, I'll get to the answer. This will be a little long-winded, but it's hard to explain to a player who an example is comes out of our academy this year. Um, let's say 16 years old. Um, he comes with us to the first week of preseason or the first first phase of preseason. And, you know, he, he, he goes on a charter plane down to Phoenix. Um, somebody has, you know, a, 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 a breakfast waiting for him on the plane or a lunch. There's a snack bag for him. You know, he, he gets to drive his car and park it on the tarmac, and he walks, you know, whatever, 30 yards to getting on the plane um, there's a bus when you when you land. There's a bus 20, 20 yards away from the plane. You get on it. Takes you to a, you know, a five star hotel. The meals are incredible every day. The training environment's great. That's all they know. How can I tell them about what it was like for me when I played? Right? How do I tell them that story? How do I get them to understand that? I mean, bottom line is you really don't. And so what I try to impress upon those guys, yeah, it's great experience that they got this year. It's, it's, it's important for them to have, you know, gotten minutes and been on the field and all those things. But as much as that is a great thing, it, it can go away really quickly because there are other players that are trying to come into the team. There are other players that are going to come to the team. There are um, teammates that you're playing with that are going to be working harder than you are if you don't take the offseason seriously. And as fast as you got that experience, it can all go away. Um, you, you, you've earned the right for the opportunity, but you every day have to earn the right to stay here and then play. And the question is, is not whether or not they know that. The question is, is whether or not they will act on that. Um, and that's, that's the key. Uh, and that's the key to a to a a career, and that's the key to a long career, and that's the 
that's the key to a, a long, successful career, um, to understanding and knowing and, more importantly, acting on that. If they do that, they'll continue to strive ahead and, and, and be and actually achieve some of the things that they want to achieve. And if they get fortunate enough, they, they, they might even overachieve. But you only do that by being able to act upon that in, in, in a very, very serious manner. You know, it, it calls to mind, Peter, talking to uh, Chiefs Hall of Famer Tim Grunhard. Uh, he was a second-round pick of the Kansas City Chiefs, and he told me that uh, the day he got drafted, Marty Schottenheimer, the coach, said, congratulations, young man. And what you need to understand is we're already looking for a guy better than you. <laughs> <laughs> and he said it's going to be that way for your entire career. Yeah. So have that mentality. And I, that shows you the competitive level that when, when you're playing professional sports, that's the constant reality you're living in. Hey, Peter, being th- able to like make yourself un- uncomfortable despite all of the yeah. comforts of you know yeah. nowadays being a professional. So, yeah. hey, Peter, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it, and good luck on decision day down in uh, in Frisco on Sunday. Yeah, always great uh, talking to you guys. Appreciate your uh, your work over the course of this year and 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 your professionalism. So, thank you very much, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking again in the future. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Peter. Thank you, Peter. That is uh, certainly, we all hope, the case in one way or another. We will uh, be back <laughs> right after this to preview that game against FC Dallas on the Sporting Kansas City Show. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back to wrap things up on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you stream your content as well. We are presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. All right, coming up next, the final game of the 2022 season. It is called Decision Day in Major League Soccer. And, of course, you've got the Eastern Conference all kicking off at the same time and the Western Conference all kicking off at the same time. There are a couple of games Tomorrow night, as we record this on a on a Tuesday, Charlotte will be taking on Columbus tomorrow night, and Miami will be taking on Orlando. Then everybody will be on 33 games, playing their last game of the season in the Eastern Conference. Everybody playing at 1:30 in the afternoon, and then in the Western Conference, everybody's going to be playing at four o'clock in the afternoon, a little bit later than that for actual kick time. They'll synchronize the watches. Everybody will kick off at the same time. They took this from what happens, you know, for example, say in the premiership where everybody plays at the same time on the last day of the year. It, if the table lines up the right way, it can make for incredible drama, Connell, and a lot of fun. And we should have some fun with the playoff races here on the last day of the uh, MLS regular season. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, as you say, like the Premier League and stuff, they've usually done this to see like who gets relegated, who ends up getting the last of the European places, sometimes even who's going to win the league. We've seen uh, the league change hands on the last day of the season. Um, for us, the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference are already sewn up as far as winners are, but there's a lot of places in contention there. You mentioned Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte can still make the playoffs here. They, if they get a victory tomorrow night, that sets them up for the last game of the season and a great a great bit of drama and what a what a fairy tale that would be for for those guys out there in Charlotte, you know, their first year. But it'll be interesting to see who uh, who really comes to the fore because this is when it comes to this the last day of the season. The pressure's on, the lights are on. You a lot of these teams it's either win or go home. So this is when you really see the characters and and uh, what teams are actually made of. So it'll be interesting to see who makes it. It's a little unfortunate to me that uh, the Supporter Shield got decided this past weekend. LAFC has clinched it. They're on 67 points, and they uh, have a three-point lead on Philadelphia, who just didn't get the result they needed this past weekend uh, because you'd love to see that come down to the very last day. But, of course, uh, those games will be kicking off at a different time anyway. So when you take a look at some of the games that are – we'll focus on the Western Conference since that's where Sporting Kansas City resides. Austin FC – host the Colorado Rapids. Austin are in second place. They can't get to third. They can't get to first. So that one doesn't seem like as big of a game. And, of course, uh, Colorado is down below the playoff line. Houston is hosting the L.A. Galaxy. Uh, The L.A. Galaxy, as it stands right now, are in fourth, but they are level on points with Nashville and only one point ahead of Portland and only one point ahead of Minnesota. So that's a big game for the LA Galaxy, and they are on the road at a Houston team 
that's uh, that's had a disastrous season. Of course, they went through the coaching change, and they still have a chance at finishing in last place in the West as they only have a two-point lead over San Jose. Um, the LAFC side that already have the supporter shield locked up are taking on Nashville. That's going to be an interesting dynamic right there, Connell, because I don't know what LAFC have to play for. It's a home game, but Nashville certainly have a lot to play for. As we said, they are right on that line that determines whether or not, you know, fourth place gets a home playoff game. Fifth place doesn't. They're level with LA Galaxy on points going into that last game, and, and they got to play LAFC. If you're all those teams, you're Salt Lake, Vancouver, all Minnesota, those teams kind of hovering around the edge there, you're saying, please, LAFC, just play your first team. Just <laughs> play play the team that you want to win the game. But honestly, if I'm if I'm LAFC, I'm not playing anyone this weekend. You've already won the Sporter Shield. You've already won the West. You're getting that extra bit of break before you go into a pretty hectic playoff schedule. You're not going to want to play throughout your your first guys with the risk of them being injured. So it may be a bit of a it may be a win for Nashville. Uh, I would suspect because they still have a lot to play for. But it's the other teams around there, like the likes of the Minnesotas, the Portlands, and LA Galaxy too. Depending on how we do against FC Dallas, LA Galaxy could end up getting themselves a home game. So it's it's all to play for. It's uh it's exciting coming down to the last game of the season. Just unfortunately. We're not there, you know. Minnesota hosts Vancouver, as you said. Minnesota, they've really been limping on toward the playoffs, and they are one point above RSL for the last playoff spot in the Western Conference. Haven't won in seven games. Mm. They're on a terrible slide. So it's kind of, you see some teams kind of emerging this time of year, Sporting being one of them at this, unfortunately not in the playoffs. Last year it was Portland, I feel, were the team in the West. Minnesota seemed to be the team that's on the down, and they're Mm -hmm. just... And you can tell a lot of their players are just like, just get to the end of the season and just we'll have the playoffs locked off and then we go again. But when you're in a slump like that, you know, Nate, it can it can take a lot out of you, not just physically, but mentally. As soon as you concede that first goal, it's, oh, here we go again. You know, it's, can we get back into this? But they're going to have to show some real fortitude. And, you know, Adrian Heath, he'll be there drilling it into them how important this game is. Well, and the thing is, you know, maybe if you get into the playoffs, you can wipe the, wipe the slate clean if you're Minnesota, and it's a fresh new start. We've seen teams that didn't seem like they had much to offer going into the playoffs all of a sudden catch one good result and turn it into a decent run. Got to get into the playoffs, though, and that is far from a done deal for Minnesota as they host Vancouver. RSL hosting the Portland Timbers. Uh, Portland, That's massive. Yeah, they're in sixth place on 46 points, just two points ahead of the last spot out of the playoffs, RSL right now. RSL need a win, and they're at home. And Portland haven't exactly looked great down the stretch either, so that's going to be a big. That's and remember, RSL got off to that great start this year, and maybe everybody thought they might be playing a little over their heads. They've come back down to earth a little bit, but can they do what they did last year and punch their ticket to the playoffs on the last day of the season? Well, at home as well. I mm-hmm. mean, you're not going to if you're Portland there. You're probably thinking, oh, we have to travel down here for, you know. A, which essentially is a must-win. I mean, they, they can they can get a point, but they have to hope they get a bit of help in and around them because there's other teams out that can creep into the playoffs. So Portland just have to go be professional this week and try and do a job on Salt Lake, but it's not going to be easy. Salt Lake have actually looked okay coming towards the end of the season here. The Seattle, Colorado, us, you know, we, we've all kind of failed, but you don't know what will happen in the last games of the season here. Some people act as spoilers. Try to act yep. as spoilers anyway. Yep. Us being one of them at FC Dallas. So it's <laughs> it's a crazy dynamic, you know, do you see? Because some teams could go out here that could get a point a point away from home and still not make the playoffs, depending on how other teams do around them. So it's you're just going out all, all out to win here at the weekend. So one thing that's interesting in the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia Union, who had been running away with the East, actually have just a two-point lead over Montreal going into the last game. Now, here's the thing, though. Philadelphia plays at home against a Toronto side that are buried. They're in 13th in the Eastern Conference. And meanwhile, Montreal plays at a Miami side that's going to be desperate because they are in a three-way tie for the last playoff spot in the Eastern Conference with Orlando and Columbus on 45 points. Now, that could change based on what happens between Orlando and Miami in this game tomorrow night. But either way, Miami's going to have a lot to play for 
but that's, we've talked about it. Spoilers happen. Toronto could could do something. You mm -hmm. never know with, with well, Philadelphia. So that'll be well, interesting. they certainly have the talent to do it. I mm -hmm. mean, the Italian players and stuff they've brought in in the offseason, they, they have done well. But it's mm -hmm. just Toronto, they haven't really seemed to be able to put it all together. It, I mean, tomorrow night, I think, is massive. Two, two massive derbies, the Charlotte and Columbus. And then you have Inter-Miami and Orlando. Both of those games are going to decide a lot of what's going on in the Eastern Conference. And it's kind of, I think sometimes when you're on the West, myself anyway, you can kind of be guilty of not paying as much attention to the East. I was actually shocked to see that Philadelphia are only two points ahead of Montreal. And that's a Montreal team who have been with, without Jordi Mihailovic for the last good portion of the season. There. It just speaks to what they have done this year, you know, the likes of... Victor Wanyama and stuff, good additions that they've brought in that have really solidified them. Who who would have backed them at the start of the year to be up towards fighting for the, the Eastern Conference title? The New York City FC side that's in third place has a two-point advantage over the New York Red Bulls, who are in fourth. Then it's Cincinnati, Orlando, Miami, Columbus, all separated by one point. Uh, going into it. So the Eastern Conference is going to be absolute madness on decision day. Some of the games to take a look at there, um, Cincinnati is playing at uh, the Wooden Spoon Holders, uh, DC, DC United, who are just kind of playing out the string. So that will be an interesting one to keep an eye on in the Eastern Conference, Orlando and Columbus on the last day of the year as well. Okay, let's get to Sporting Kansas City versus FC Dallas before we run out of time. Uh, Connell, and look, I think this is a very talented FC Dallas roster. They've got Jesus Ferreira. They've got Paul Ariola, two national team players. Paxton Pomacall is a, a really, really good young player as well. I feel like FC Dallas is the kind of team that could actually make some noise in the playoffs, but as they come into this game, they they want a result you know, to make sure they hold on to a home playoff game as they're right now on 50 points. Right. I mean, they've never won it before, so mm -hmm. they've – you can tell the people down there they're desperate for that type of success and right now you look at their team there's no real reason why they're not up there punching the way because as you said Jesus Ferreira most likely going to start for the US when it comes to the World Cup here he's going to lead the line you've got Paul Ariola who's also in there Pomacall you mentioned they have a really good team Martin Paz and Gold they uh I think they could. They're a team that not a lot of people, I think, will want to run into here in in the postseason, depending on who that'll be. Home or away, I think Dallas are always a team that, that'll give you a good game. And as I said, they've never won it, so they're just desperate for success down there. And now it looks like they have the tools available. They just have to reach out and grab it. Well, it's going to be an interesting one. Decision day is right around the corner. Sunday. Four o'clock, you can uh, listen to the game on our sister station, ESPN Kansas City, 94.5 FM. You can also tune into the game uh, on 38 The Spot, Sporting KC TV, uh, SportingKC.com, as well as it'll be our last local broadcast uh, as everything goes on to Apple TV next year. For Ali Trost, Martin, and Connell McCourt, this is Nate Bucati saying thanks for listening all season long. We've loved being a part of it with you right here on the Sporting Kansas City Show presented by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it.